I also don't know the the like point at which it switches over to be like grand larceny from just regular larceny. larceny. I don't think it's, it's at one hundred and twenty dollars. I don't think yeah, it like, is either. But I know it's cover? not. I know it's not well, paper clips. That's I a can thing take for a thousand, clips. so maybe it's a thousand. I guess it's a thousand dollars. I don't actually know if that's. <laughs> it's the either a thousand dollars or it's the parent of the parent of the thing that you bought that you stole. <laughs> grand, Dumb, but I get it. Grand larceny. <laughs> grand larceny <laughs> versus <laughs> larceny. Fight. If the value is over a thousand dollars. Oh, literally. Yeah. Oh. Literally, so it is a grand. We all learned something today. If huh. you steal under a thousand dollars, it's still larceny. What's petty larceny then? Anything uh, under ten It's when $10? you do it kind of like aggressively. <laughs> you don't you don't it. tell people while you're mad about it, but uh, a petty is forty two percent of a dollar. So one petty. <laughs> That's the the currency in Tom Pettyland. <laughs> uh, it seems like larceny with no force. Oh. Slash oh. under $1,000. So that's totally what you would have... I think petty larceny and larceny are the same thing. I think no. it's either grand larceny or, or not. Larceny. Yeah. Gotcha. Also, I did not realize it was petite larceny. It is. I did not, not know that either. petty larceny. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it corrected him when he searched... It did. P-E-T-I-T? Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. America, get it together. <laughs> it's a nice trim little larceny. So the other day, damn it, I thought you were going to start. I really thought I had you. I did a whole whip into the (laughs) parking spot and I was ready to like, yeah. Anyway, welcome to Make Believe Money. Everyone stole my thunder. I'm Liz. I coughed over to you. Do you want to go do it again? No. (laughs) No, I don't. You keep introducing yourself. (laughs) This is what you get. (laughs) Fine. Welcome to Make Believe Money. I'm Liz. I'm Damon. I'm Dan. <laughs> I like how mad you s- you're now going to sound introducing I the know. show. Welcome to Make Believe Money. And no one's going to know why. <laughs> Enjoy this shit or don't. I hope you like this show. Hey, Dan, what are we talking about today? We're going to talk about It's a Wonderful Life. It sure is, pal. Yeah, because I swear we recorded this. But I went back and I looked at all the episodes and there is no record of it. So maybe Dan just did that in a dream with himself or we something. Also I'm wait, sure. that though. So is this like old research from forever ago? No, this oh, I couldn't okay. find research or an episode, so I'm pretty sure it didn't happen. The three of us times lid somewhere. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> this is the Mandela effect in full effect here. I swear we did this. But I guess not. I hope whoever's in the other dimension really enjoyed that episode that we earlier did on this and instead Gets to now go back and listen to the Die Hard episode, which is, I guess, our last Christmassy, Christmassy episode. episode. Yeah. Did we do that or National Lampoon Christmas? We've done vacation? both. I but think like, which came Die Hard was our first Christmas. Yeah, and I don't know if we actually did it at Christmas time. I know we did um, National Lampoon at Christmas time, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Um, that was a good one. Yeah. I just watched that movie again because it's around the season, and God, I love it. We have to do that yet. We haven't gotten to that one yet. We did Die Hard the other night, though. We did do Die Hard the other night. I... So I've 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 screwed up Die Hard for myself. Uh oh. Because I've started watching it. It is my sad movie when the Packers get knocked out of uh, <laughs> the playoffs. Whenever that, whenever they become either statistically eliminated or this year when they, if even when they get knocked out. 
So I want to watch it because it's Christmas time. But and Megan the other day was like, well, if you watch it, that means their season is over. And I was like, damn it. So now <laughs> I have to wait till February 3rd is so, what I'm optimistically going to say. Okay. I'll let you have That's that. That's the day after the Super Bowl. Sure, Dan. I mean, it's not going to be the Bears. Correct. No. <laughs> so um, do you think that if you watched uh, Yippee Kaye Merry Christmas, the musical parody of uh, Die Hard on YouTube, that that would jinx it? I don't know. Now I just think it would create a game that's like, Set to the sound of yakety sax or something like next time I watch them, they're just slipping all over the place like Harlem Globetrotter style playing There's football. So much gravy on the field. Yeah. How is this happening? Because as a fan, I have that much control over how they perform. Absolutely. Like all of us do when we don't wear the right yeah. set of socks Every or whatever fan. other thing. Yeah, dad's got one thing like he's not allowed to watch Steelers games, which is terrible. Which is the worst way to be a fan. Team. Like, yeah. uh, my. Uncle. You could also just admit that your team kind of sucks and it's okay to watch some <laughs> oh, bad football for a few seasons. Oh, those are fighting words. My dad's very big. <laughs> <laughs> My uncle is a Notre Dame fan, but he only watches the games they win, so he records them all and then watches them if they win. <laughs> That's really so he hasn't sad. seen a Notre Dame loss in like 20 years. <laughs> That's such a sad... Oh, oh, no, I'm just imagining well, him having like a wall of like Notre Dame wins and whenever they lose one, he watches an old win. Like... I don't know if he does that, but he does not watch the losses. I do know that. I was gonna say, at least the technology is keeping up with him now. Yeah, like, yeah that's fair. <laughs> it was a lot harder to do this 20 years ago, Correct. I imagine. Uh, but we're not talking about football, except for the small part of It's a Wonderful Life that involves George wearing a football uniform for no reason whatsoever. That does happen. It's like the only way, I think, to make Jimmy Stewart look any younger It doesn't at all. work. <laughs> he looks way older. Like, Hello, fellow kids. This, yeah, why are you wearing this child's costume? <laughs> Uh, so, plot or ratings first, we think. Uh, <laughs> don't all ratings. jump at once. <laughs> Boy, we haven't podcasted in a while, huh, kids? Uh, Damon said ratings, so... Ratings, good. Damon, you start. Um, I'm going to hit this one kind of low. I think I'm going to say... A, I'm going to pick it at a six, I think, just because I imagine you know, this is half. something... You just have a low one. No, it's not. Um, but I think it's because this is a thing that is like of the zeitgeist, and like, and I say a six, even though I'm like I'm not a hundred percent certain that I've ever seen this through to completion once all the way through. Whoa! But I've seen it. If you like sum together all of the minutes of the film that I've seen, I've probably watched it 28 times. You've seen it like how my dad watches HBO movies. Like your dad watches most movies that we don't pay. To see in the theater. You know, my mom listens to this podcast and relays information to my father. <laughs> you are just cruising. That's your <laughs> joke. You're taking a real hard line on Liz's We're dad today. We're see them like next week. <laughs> Maybe this episode comes out after, after Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, oh, they're going to be like, we're going to be all hanging out for Christmas. And they're like, oh, why don't we listen to your podcast all together? And I'm going to go, no, 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 no I'm going to sit in the car. No. No. Nobody does that for fun. <laughs> Listens to podcasts. As a Certainly family. this one. As a family? As, a, as an adult extended family, no. <laughs> of our own voices? Yes. It is a little like showing people your like pictures of a room. I was about to say, that would be channel. a little bit masturbatory, <laughs> I gotta be honest with you. Yeah, watch this two-hour recording of my like, you know, high school play that I was in like <sighs> three weeks ago that you all came to see. Like, <laughs> Why did you buy that DVD? <laughs> Anyway, so your rating is a six. 
Yeah. Uh, I think that it's the type of thing like I could roughly explain to you all of the events of the film. I'll make you that. That's that a good news. We might, we might put that to the test. Uh, I don't know that I could do them to the letter of the chronology that they appear in the movie, though. Sure, sure. Um, I also am flabbergasted how this is like an 82-minute movie because it feels like there's like a half an hour worth of material in it. I also thought it was a two-hour Oh, movie. I was about to say, I was going to go the other way. When <laughs> yeah. you told me that, I was like, I thought it was like... Two hours and ten minutes. Yeah. And it's just because you guys watch it on TV with the ad breaks. Oh. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> this is a movie meant for today's TV. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'll say. Double check me on that. I have no idea how long uh, the runtime is. I imagine time you're is. probably right. I don't think movies. <laughs> Wait, we just had a whole conversation about how it's 82 minutes, and then you say, oh, but it might not be. It could be nothing. That's the asterisk underneath every single one of our episodes. <laughs> Damon's not sure. Not wrong. It's two hours and 15 minutes long, Damon. Wait, really? Yes. That's incredible. I said two ten, and I was spot on. You dumb shit. Really long, right? (laughs) Yeah, it does. (laughs) It's like if you were to write out everything of consequence that happens in *It's a Wonderful Life*, you could probably read it briskly at like twenty-five minutes. (laughs) Isn't it a novella? It's based on a novella. It's based on like a children's book, I think. Not like a children's book. Like there's pictures in it. You've seen it. I've seen. This is I've another seen, thing you're making up. I've seen images of it, of it online. Uh-huh. Like, no, I don't know. <laughs> okay, I'm knocking Damon's rating down to a two, yeah, and we're moving right Damon. along. <laughs> Most of these ratings are just confidence, anyway. So. The points are made based up. on a short yeah. story and booklet, "The Greatest Gift." So I will give him that. Yeah. We did watch it. Now, whether it has pictures in it, no one knows. Yeah, not Damon certainly. <laughs> Who has maybe once seen a picture of it, maybe. He knows. He says with some amount of confidence. <laughs> he knows maybe what what's-his-face looks like. I lost his name. Jeremy Piffin. <laughs> Jimmy Stewart. Do you mean Jimmy, Jimmy James Stewart? <laughs> Jimmy James Stewart. <laughs> but Jeremy Piffin's Jeremy a fine pole. <laughs> he has a lovely face. <laughs> oh, that round little guy. Um... So I'd say my rating is probably an actual six. <laughs> <laughs> a six with confidence a versus with a confidence. six without confidence. <laughs> I've seen it a bunch of times when I was a kid, and I occasionally watch it now. I It does baffle me that it's two hours and ten minutes long. If you think about it, a lot happens. And by yeah, that, I mean I guess that's a, fair. a lot happens that probably doesn't need to happen. Like, isn't all that integral to the plot? No. But a, a lot of individual scenes do happen. I guess, like, if I'm thinking about the pieces of consequence in the movie, I could condense it down into a 30-minute TV show. But there is lots of bits. Writing is different now, too. Writing is different. Writing now. is very different. Filmmaking is very different yeah. in yeah. general. Yeah, I think if, like, a you modern... You are allowed to meander right. a little bit. I also think if a modern editor, like, went at this thing, like, it would come out, like, a cold 45, like... Oh, yeah, yeah. Just, like, you know, this perfect for, film. like, a one-hour, like... You know, television special before another beloved Christmas movie. Yes. Like. Uh, also, did you know that they filmed it in like the dead of summer and um, everybody was sweating their asses off and all the um, snow is soap flakes and it was like sticking to their eyes because <laughs> they were filming. Oh, God. <laughs> it's a miserable movie for everyone involved. It's Poor a Jimmy terrible Stewart. life. <laughs> right. Poor Jimmy Stewart almost passed out. <laughs> Anyway, that's what I know about uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. I mean, they can't sit on that film for an entire year, you know, to wait for the next Christmas season to come out. Like, yeah. That'd be ludicrous. Yeah. So because it's black and white, you think all those, like, soap flakes were actually just pink? And if you saw it in, like, I think while I, they were filming it, it would be, like, horrific to what watch. What a weird, like, blood snow. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> probably, like, ah! ah! 
mouth. Don't get in your mouth. Don't get in your mouth. They could have been like bright green for all we know. And nobody would have won. I wonder. I bet they weren't white. Yeah, or at least they had to be like off-white in a way that's like, that's not snow. Right, because you wouldn't want it to be reflective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be difficult. Weird. Ew. Boy, interesting. Things you don't think about. Right? Yeah. Anyway, Dan, what's your rating? Um, if you're a six and he's a fake six, I'm <laughs> probably going to go like a seven and a half. Sure, sure. Oh. Um, yeah, I've seen this movie. So my mom is very into Christmas movies. So I've seen this movie a bunch of times uh, from front to back. And like we still watch it. I would say I watch it two years out of three. Is this one um, that you hate? We were debating between us. No. Okay. I like this one. You don't like um, White Christmas. I do not like a white Christmas. No, no. no. Hard pass on that one. Good and progressive of you. <laughs> I also just don't like it because I don't like it. I'm also not a huge fan of Miracle on 34th Street. I've never seen that one. It's fine. It just doesn't, like, my sister loves that one. It just doesn't do a lot for me. Sure. That's another um, one. Personally. That That's your mom's favorite. I feel like it should be, like, 45 minutes long for everything that happens. And, and that one I actually think which more so. Speak. Like, this one, there's a lot of things that are just, like, the plot is like, hey, here's your life, here's how good it is, and so there's a lot of scenes that, like, you probably don't need, but they he is are... He's like a 45-year-old man. <laughs> but they are just yeah. like, hey, you know, this happened in your life. Miracle on 30, 34th Street, I feel like, has a lot of, like, look at this happy scene to make you feel happy at Christmas, and I'm like, Don't you play with but my I don't, emotions. I don't, I don't need it, yeah. like, at all. I'm pretty much pulling my eyelashes out any scene that doesn't have Santa Claus in it in Miracle horrific. on 34th Street. <laughs> Yeah, boy, it's just like it's a really grim way to describe how you were feeling at that moment. I don't think that Oof. I don't think that there is any charisma to anyone else in that movie aside from the guy who played Santa Claus. Wasn't it made in like 1934? Yeah. Okay, that's why. Wait. Only no. Santa had charisma at that time. Yeah, what, what are you trying that's to how say? It goes. Here? <laughs> Santa had charisma because he was drinking Coca Cola back when it still had <laughs> cocaine. <laughs> Who wants to do the plot? Uh, and absolutely, Damon's going to have to do the plot because he just boldly walked up to this mic and said, <laughs> I can do the plot. He did, <clears throat> he did sort of say he couldn't do the plot. <laughs> uh, as best I remember. Oh, here comes the couching <laughs> it. Uh, the first act is completely comprised of people walking up to George Bailey and saying, this is why I am significant to you because you did this one thing in like incredibly stilted expositional dialogue. So now and then we're the bad guy <laughs> <laughs> the bad guy shows up and says, This is what I'm gonna do to this town if this like contrived money thing happens that I think Dan's gonna tell me is probably not actually how money works. If I'm guessing <laughs> if he right. remembers how the show goes. <laughs> and uh then George screws it up because the money gets taken the money that he's supposed to deposit somewhere gets stolen now from him. Four. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and um then uh decides he's going to off himself, goes uh jumps off a bridge to save a Now we're uh, down to a three. Uh-huh. He doesn't jump off the bridge. He jumps, doesn't no, jump he off does the not. Bridge. He jumps into the water to save the 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 angel. Yes, the angel jumps off the bridge and he does go in after him. I guess that's true. Okay. Okay. You guys are being hypercritical for <laughs> Like wait, the, have you heard this show the show before? The climax. <laughs> yeah, we're all very kind to <laughs> each other. This is like the climactic scene of the first act that takes you into first of seven the, acts. The like You're make them up on that one. The make them up fake history time where George wanders back through the reality that he was just in. That the the 
Angel has blinked him out of existence in. And what a terrifying thing to be able experiences. to do. Experiences. Yeah. <laughs> it's a power no man nor angel should have. What if I just pretend you were dead the whole time? How would that be? You're so insignificant that I can just rewrite the world in, wh- in wh- a way in which you never existed. Yeah, wait a minute. It's I so can just easy pull, to remove me. I can just pull your thread out of this tapestry and things proceed apace. You could just resume the world and for two hours without me in it at all. I think I would feel way worse on the other side of that. Um, I didn't fuck anything up too bad. I don't know. She's a Spencer librarian. That that's a fine life if that's what Not she decides. <laughs> She's a terrified little woman. <laughs> well, apparently, like the whole thrust, to my understanding, the whole thrust of what taking George out of this town is, is that his wife turns into a woman who has apparently never had sex, and that <laughs> the downtown is now a seedy area where there's nightclubs that people like spend time in after nine. Um, <laughs> And Which is horrifying and he, wrong. He <laughs> decides Obama. that it's better for him to be alive and go to jail for what this confusing set of scenario that happens in the first act. So what happens is uh, everyone's... Uncle like, Billy Uncle is Billy's supposed to deposit money the at the money bank, at the bank and, and it falls out of his it. pocket. And he loses it. Okay. He, loses he it, actually gives then, it in a newspaper to the bad guy. Oh, yeah. Big mean oh, bad guy's like, ooh, that's a pocket theft. Full of money. That's theft. I mean, it's kind of theft, I guess. Mm, yeah. I mean, it's not supposed to be his. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what the law is about, like, if you find something and you don't turn it in. Like we all looked at each other, like, wait about that wallet. <laughs> well, it really depends on if it was behind a locked door or not. Yeah, yeah really. What if I just found it on the road? <laughs> um, and it wasn't near that body at all. I just found it near that guy I beat up. <laughs> uh, but then he blinks back into existence. He runs through the streets like a crazy man. Breaks into his own home and then freaks everyone out. Freaks everyone out, and then everybody shows up. Um, well, I think the freaking out has supposedly happened like while he's blinked out. Like, he disappears. Oh, he also freaks go. everyone out when he comes. Like, yeah, he, like, after the money is lost, he freaks everybody out by going a little off the deep end. Then he disappears, and I think everyone's worried about him, and then he comes running back. And it's, like, it's more of, like, a, like, search parties were sent out for him, and he just comes, like, Barreling whirling back dervish, like, back into the house. And they're like, oh, he had a mental breakdown. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but also, they all freak out when he is blinked out of existence because he just can't seem to get it through his head that he's been blinked out of existence and he keeps accosting people. You know, yeah, that correct. was a big idea for people, like, back then. I, I bet. guess. This is a weird science fiction movie if you get down to it. Or a fantasy movie. It's more of a fantasy movie. This is magic. Movie. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Thanos, his guardian angel, comes in yeah. and snaps him out of existence. Well, yeah, but like if Clarence had a, like a widget that he used to make him out of existence, it would be a science fiction movie. Then. You're not wrong. He doesn't have like uh, a TV remote thing. No, no. It just kind of happens. He just kind of like he just kind of wills it like into wing. happening. Yeah, he just kind of looks at God, which and is like scarier. His eyes like, a little bit, and <laughs> and George just disappears from time and space. Yeah, hey, you don't need wings, um, pal. <laughs> and then the movie ends with the world's most well-known GoFundMe campaign. And uh, it's I had a, that in my notes. I was like, like the Christmas world's classic. first <laughs> and only at the time GoFundMe campaign. <laughs> Everybody gives them their money to keep the loan thingy afloat? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Aww. And then they ring a bell and they say every time a bell rings an angel gets his wings. And then in That's that right. case, it's like... Yeah. That's right. Do you ever see that Rocco's Modern Life episode though, where they're like, "Every my teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings," and the the guy goes, "Your teacher's a doofus." <laughs> 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 
So yeah, I would say by and large, you got there. I think I earned my six. There's like more or less. If you haven't seen this movie, that probably didn't make any sense. Yeah, correct. But if you have seen the movie, you get what he's talking about. There's some scenes like the whole druggist thing you missed, and like saving his brother who like saves a bunch of people in the war. I don't remember the druggist thing. Yeah, remember he like the druggist is like kid dies or something, and then he as a kid stops him from like making a pill bad that would have killed people. Yeah. That's a whole thing. Oh, yeah. And if he weren't there, he would have murdered a bunch of Because, like, in the alternate timeline, that guy, like, is homeless after he was let out of jail sort of thing. Yeah, because he killed a bunch of people. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He was to be clear. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> and then there's, like, a bank. There's also, like, kind of a running theme of, like, he wants to get out of this town and is never quite able to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, for the most part, I think I think he hit the, the major points. Also, his daughter's name is Zuzu. Mm-hmm. Zuzu. Zuzu? Zuzu. My mother has seen her. Zuzu? Yeah, like at the music there box. There is no Dana, only Zuzu. <laughs> no, like the lady who played Zuzu like came to the music box like 10 years ago and like uh, talked about this film and she watched it. How old is she? She was like 93 or yeah, something wow. like real old yeah. something. That's weird, right? Yeah. And at 93, <laughs> I guess your claim to fame is when I was four, I was in a movie that people still like. I said that line. Kind of coasted for a while. <laughs> you know, nice work if you can get it. <laughs> <laughs> Not wrong. So what specifically are we talking about when we're talking about It's a Wonderful Life today? Yeah, so there's actually a couple of money things that we could probably talk about. Okay. Um, but mainly... Um, I wanted to talk about the fact that uh, Mr. Potter, who is the aforementioned bad guy. Big bad. Yeah. The BBEG, the big bad evil guy. Yeah. Really hates the building and loan. Uh, And I can prove it in money. And I kind of get why, because the building and loan is growing pretty quickly. And we have enough data to prove it. Oh. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. So, um, let me get to like... The kind of, one of the things we didn't talk about, I guess, is this bank run, and I think we've talked about it in other episodes, like Which used is as why an example. I we did this. Yeah, I think it's just because I've used this movie as an example of bank runs. Sure. But I don't remember what other episode we talked about bank runs. If you can remember, email us at makebelievemoneypodcast at gmail dot com, and we'll give you a smooch. No. I need an adult. I mean, them both are very uncomfortable. <laughs> <clears throat> what? We'll give you a smooch. There you go. Um, smooch so assembly required. Bank run. Yes. So, again, I think we've talked about it, so I'll keep it high level. But in the 30s, there were runs on banks, um, which basically meant, so if I had my money in a bank, um, and this was before a lot of like FDIC insurance and a lot of those things that now make us feel secure in banks. In fact, a lot of that stuff came from these issues. But especially if I had a small bank, which at the time, banking was a community business. It wasn't like the four massive banks that are everywhere like it is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the economy obviously plunged in the 30s. And so there was some worry that I wouldn't be able to get my money from the bank. Like it just, the bank wouldn't be there. It would go out of business. They wouldn't have it for me, what have you. And so what would happen is I would worry about it. So I'd go to the bank to get all my money. And then because I took all my money, then it makes it more likely that the bank won't be able to pay you, Damon, because they don't have as much money because I took all of mine out. Uh, and so then you would go. And then knowing that Liz would go and it just caused this panic where everyone would go to the bank 
<clears throat> excuse me, and try to take everything out at the same time, and then a bank would fail because then, like now, banks don't keep all of your money in a vault somewhere, right? And actually, this movie is probably does the best job describing like how the bank model actually works. George like explains it. Yeah, because right? he talks to like these these townsfolks about like the money's not here; it's in this guy's home because we lent him money to like go buy a home, and it's in this person's like car because we lent them money to like be able to buy a car to get to work and that like that is actually how banking works if you want to like put a rosy colored 30s on it the other <laughs> way you could say it is that the bank takes my money and charges you like four percent and gives me back like a, a penny which is right. kind of the mercenary yeah. <laughs> way you want to think about a bank but when there used to be more community banks that is actually how it worked and it was a, a very good service to the community but now it's just mainly big Big bad bank. Big bad bank that runs algorithms that says whether they can or can't give you money. Um, but <clears throat> this movie, I think, does a fairly good job like describing the actual banking model, right? Um, so building a loan, there's a run on the bank, right? So a bunch of people are coming, and he actually has this whole scene where he's like trying to convince people to not do exactly what I just said. So I go and I say, I have $200 in the bank. I want it all back. And he has this whole scene where he's like, well, do you need $200? Can I give you 35 Can that get you to the end of the week? And then we'll still be open. And like, we'll, if you need your money, then we can get you your money, right? Um, so I won't go into all of the things behind like an actual bank failure, but that's the idea. But basically, there has, even before the 30s, been what's called reserve requirements, so a bank is required by law to hold some amount of their deposits in reserves. Hmm. Does that make sense? Sure. So like, yes, they don't have to have everything that I put in the bank in that bank, but they're required to hold some amount of money because there are people who are just going to come in and do transactions, right? Yeah. <clears throat> if you give it all away, you will make a bank run. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, a bank run is one person coming in and saying, like, I'd like $10 if you right. give every penny away. So, um the moral of the story is banks are like pantyhose. Once they get a run in them, you have to throw them out. <laughs> yes. Sometimes you can fix it with hairspray, but it's never a good solution forever. <laughs> <laughs> that part is particularly like a bank. <laughs> It'll get you to the end of the party. <laughs> but then you're going to have to throw know. them out. You could cover it up with eyeshadow, but only if you're really good. <laughs> I just learned a lot about pantyhose. <laughs> I don't think I knew any of that. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, but anyway, so in this scene in uh, It's a Wonderful Life, he uses their $2,000. Uh, Jimmy Stewart uses their two, his $2,000 to pay out people's deposits, basically, which that part I'm pretty sure would be illegal. Like, I don't think you can keep a bank open by like going into Jamie Dimon's pocket and having him just like write checks that as if he was Chase. Uh-huh. Um, but the point is, he uses it, and let's just say that is works. Is Jamie Dimon the head of Chase? Yeah, he's the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase. Mr. Diamond? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, pretty on brand. Yeah, really. We call him Mr. Moneybags. <laughs> <laughs> you could. I think he makes like $30 million a year, some gross amount That's of money. stupid, and I hate it. Yes. Um, I'm opening a bank. <laughs> so every time uh, you get like a penny on your deposits at your bank, remember, Jamie Dimon gets $30 million. Jamie Dimon. <laughs> so keep that in mind. Um, so I looked it up. There are different types of banks, different like sizes of banks, but at the time, in 1932, which is when this bank run happens, the uh, 
country banks, which is what they just call like more rural, small, and it's not even rural, it's just like size of banks, so smaller banks. So reserve requirements for these country, these smaller banks at the time was 7%. So you had to have 7% of your deposits like at the bank. I, sorry, go ahead. And so seven percent just seems like a like an empty number. Like when you say of deposits, you mean like on a, like an annual basis or like you know at the time I don't know how it worked, frankly. Or just like a running total of you have to have seven percent of all the money that's ever been deposited into this bank. Oh, it's definitely that not seems, that. But yeah. the way it works hmm. today, so the, I can tell you how it works today, and here's why I can't tell you how it worked then. Is today you have to have seven percent of whatever you have in deposits. Yeah, uh, uh, that day. Um, but with computers, you can actually know that at the end of the day. And one of the things the Fed does um, is that they have a marketplace between banks and themselves where banks loan each other money. Yeah. Oh. So like if JP Morgan is like, hey, we have $60 million and today we actually only need 55, but Citibank goes, well, well, we need 70 and today we actually only have 68, then JP Morgan will loan Citibank $2 million for like, pennies like very very little interest but they yeah. will like loan between each other and between the fed every night um wow. so there's there's called an like an interbank market there's there's actual like rates that are um based around this and there's a lot of uh, money moving in that market that you don't see very often but that's how it works today the reason i can't tell you the answer to that is because obviously at this point was there was messy. no way to yeah. one the fed wasn't doing this at the time right. um one of the reasons the Fed instituted all these rules is because of things like this. And two, I have no idea the frequency with which they would calculate those numbers because they certainly weren't doing it daily. Uh, because actually one of the things I was reading, it was talking about like runs on the mail. One of the things that they're like, well, one of the reasons the banks didn't have all the money that they needed was because like, you know, some of the checks were in the mail. And I was like, oh. Oh, Fuck. I guess that makes sense. <laughs> There's literally like just money in the mail service, but as you would imagine, that is not uh, as common now as yeah, it once was. Yeah, not so much of a thing. Anymore. Yeah, so um, they're in the mail. Yeah, like literally, they just certain funds were just like gone for the lack of a better word in the postal service. It'll be a couple weeks. <laughs> um, but anyway, so yeah, I don't know the frequency, but they do. You know, yeah. Not to derail you with that. I no, just, it was like, a good question. Seven percent just seemed empty without knowing like what the bigger context was. That sure. I'm sure they did based on because this is how they still do it. Is this actually they this number stimulates or depresses the economy? Mm -hmm. um, so this is actually a tool the Fed uses to affect how the economy is doing. Huh. So if the economy, let me make sure I get this right. Uh, if the economy is going too quickly. So like things are going really well and therefore inflation starts happening, right? Yeah. Things start going up a lot in price. The Fed will up the reserve requirements because that takes money out of the system. Oh. Okay. The banks can't loan as much to you or to me. So there's less likely, instead of one, 10 people trying to buy the same house, there might only be two because the other eight can't get loans because the banks have to keep their reserves so they don't give out as many loans and therefore there's not a bidding war and prices stay down. Right, that sort of thing happens. So by taking money out of the economy, they slow it down. If the economy needs stimulus, they will lower the reserve requirement, and then suddenly, you know, loan rates go down a lot, and all those people who are sitting on the sidelines going, eh, "I don't actually know if I want to buy a car right now." Like the economy's not great. I got a raise, but it's not a great raise. Suddenly, they're like, "Well, for a two percent interest, I could buy a car," and then so they go out and buy things they wouldn't have otherwise, and it kind of stimulates the economy. It's kind of like it's. 
effectively printing money without literally having to reprint the money. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And printing money has its own kind of negative consequences. We've talked about yeah, some of yeah. inflation and what. So it's just a way that they can control money supply without, yeah, having physically to print, controlling it, yeah. put money into the system. Um, yeah. Interesting. Very. Anywho. So. So. Uh, if this bank needs to have 2000 so again, I actually think they lend out pretty much like everything but the last $2 is what they say. Um, but let's assume they needed $2,000 to get through this crisis, right? Mm-hmm. So let's presume that $2,000 was about their 7%. Okay. Um, and I'm about to inflation adjust these numbers. So remember, if that sounds very small, we'll, we'll get we'll there, get right? There. Um, so if 2000 is all their reserves, is that 7% of their deposits? That means their deposits are... $28,571, which, if you inflation adjust it from the 30s, is $540,000. So it's still a very small community yeah. bank, but it's like... That's a chunk. Well, that's a lot of money okay. going through a small town. Yeah, especially like yeah. a town of presumably, you don't get an idea, but a few thousand. 15 to 20,000. Yeah, that would have been like my guess. 15 to 20 people that we see. <laughs> 500,000 for 15 people ain't, ain't a bad split. Ain't no bad split. Um, so, yeah, and again, it's not the only bank in town, as we know, mm-hmm. you know, and what have you. Um, and it seems more like it's a, um, you know, like a, a it is truly a community organization sort of thing. So about $500,000, $550,000, which is still very small, but, you know, that's the deal. So then later in the movie... After George thwarts Potter for a number of times, right? He doesn't let him drive the building alone out of business. He tries to shut it down after his dad leaves. He takes over it. There's like a bunch of things that like... So basically, the building and loan is helping people either build or buy houses at like reasonable interest rates. Potter wants to shut it down, so they are forced to like buy or rent you're not i'm not sure which like his kind of like tenement slums yeah, he wants that to he's building pottersville right which you get the idea is just like a really crappy either like the nightclubs that are open rent, past nine. yeah <laughs> either renting uh or maybe they're just shit homes that he's building but either way like the white knight george here is supposedly like helping people buy like good quality family homes that they wouldn't otherwise be able to do sort of yeah idea. you changed your name to latrine <laughs> What did it used to be? Shit house. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, so he thwarts him several times, right? Uh Uh-huh. So then Potter takes a new tactic where he says, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to offer you $20,000 a year to take a job with me. Oh, yeah. If you remember this. And the idea being like, you take a $20,000 a year job with me, but then, you know, the building and loan will shut down because there's no one to run it and boo-hoo. It doesn't explicitly say that, but, like, that's the idea, right? Because your brother's incompetent. It's not going to be him. Well, his brother is... <laughs> or think, Uncle Billy. Uncle, Uncle Billy's Billy. incompetent, incompetent, for sure. His brother's, like, off, I think, being Ew. a pilot or something. Yeah. He's coming back from... Like, He's in military garb when he gets to the... the well, and yeah, and actually I have this me. timeline. This offer is in yeah. 1936. So the brother is presumably in the military now. The war is starting shortly. Or maybe he's in college and then will be in the military when the war starts in yeah. another, you know, three, three years. Three years for us. Right. Five years for them, for the Americans. Didn't we join in 39? 1941. We joined in 41? Yeah. We suck. 
<laughs> you remember that day that would yeah, live in infinite me? I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag never forgetting all, but like yeah. I forgot. <laughs> I remembered the thing, just yeah. not you know just the year of yeah. the thing. Yeah. December fourth, seventh, seventh. Okay. Yeah. We're the day there. that will live in infamy. Listen, yeah. we're zeroing in on that day. Listen, it's been seventy years. Oh man, the month and year that will live in infamy. <laughs> Anywho, so twenty thousand dollars inflation adjusted means that would be three hundred and seventy thousand dollars a year. Oh fuck! Yeah. No shit. Money. Yeah. No wonder he's kind of flabbergasted. <laughs> but what that means, if you think about it, is Potter offered to pay him. More than half of that entire bank's deposits, not reserves, but deposits, yeah. a year, just to shut that son of a bitch down. He threatened he up against the wall. Yeah. Don't you back down now, George Bailey. I mean, you got to imagine he would have, like, hired him for two years and then fired him. Sure. Right? Like, because he's not a good person. No, but he's still, a bad man. At that point, I mean, I guess he probably can't because... The Bailey family probably are like majority owners or something, but like you'd think you could just buy it. I was it gonna and say, like, right yeah. into the ground. If that's more than half, like you could, you could basically especially, make a majority ownership. Yeah, especially of, yeah. more than half, like yearly. He's not saying yeah. I'll give you this lump sum to just like go to Timbuktu. He's saying like yeah. I'll pay you this, and even if all he had to do was pay him two years to like, and then fire him once the like building and loan goes out of business. That's still more than the building and loan has in deposits. Mm-hmm. It's true. Which is a long way of saying Potter really hates the building and loan. Yeah, for real. And also, wouldn't it just be like a better tactic to like offer people better interest rates than George Bailey does if he has all this extra cash hanging yeah, around? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like you could put him out of business just by doing out better competing him. Yeah. yeah, just like saying, hey, like we'll lose money for three years making low interest yeah, rates until we'll the building and loan. Yeah, back up because we bad guys. But yeah, until like, the building and loan goes out of business. Yeah, the only thing I don't know is, you know, there's still a quality element. Sure. So, like, because it's the building and loan. I think they actually do build these houses and then, like, help finance people into them. Oh. So maybe it's just like a, yeah, it's cheaper to live here, but your houses are shit and these houses are nice. Yeah, because I imagine this isn't like they're just getting money to, like, go into a marketplace and, like, do whatever they want. Is like, I imagine that there is a network, especially, like, a community saying like this where, like, you're getting paired with a specific set of builders who are getting like their own kickbacks and whatnot from the bank itself oh. to participate in this. And like kickbacks isn't a bad word. Maybe just building, like yeah, just like more yeah. business or something. Like, you know, it like, kind of sounds nice. Yeah, I mean, like maybe in the building and loans thing, it's just more of a like. Well, George knows that you know Henry makes good quality homes, so he's willing to like help Martha. Get a home built by George, which you know, or by whatever the name I said was. Then, that earlier name. <laughs> yeah, who yeah. puts money into the like George's bank, and then like the whole cycle is healthy and profitable for everyone. Whereas, it, not to like impose like more villainy on Mr. Potter, but, but like, like look at if him. he, he is, is <laughs> if he is like profiting in this system without doing like a fair like doing fair competition with is seemingly only competition in this small town, like. Yeah. You have to question, like, what other means, like, How what else is, is he, he involved in, and would he have, like, the full freedom to actually, like, change up his practices like that? Right. He would probably lose money way more to try and yeah. actually do the thing that George is already doing. Yeah. Well, and that, this, by definition, this offer implies that either he just really hates the bailing, building and loan, which is probably part of it, but also he sees some way to 
make his business significantly more profitable by driving it out of the market. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, there must be something this thing is doing that's not like, oh, they're taking two or three homes that I would otherwise sell a year away from me. It must be either that there's a lot of people or, again, maybe it means he can't get as good of rates with builders because they're willing to work with George. I, I don't know exactly. Like, they don't go into the economics of this enough for me to tell you the actual dollar amounts, but clearly there is, I mean, a... Bailey's willing to offer literally half the bank's value, if not more, just to shut it down. And again, that's yearly. He must be able to recoup the profits when it goes out of business in some very significant way. Mm -hmm. Either that or Potter just can't get it up unless he sees the light leave someone's eyes. (laughs) Which again, it could be that he is just willing to take the muzz on this for like, just really spite. Just yeah. I mean, just spite has inspired a man. lot of people to do a, a lot, lot of, less. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm here today. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like the two things that really motivate human beings the most, one of them you can argue is love and the other one you can probably argue is spite. I would say it's spite and food. <laughs> yeah, that's fair too. But the number of inventions or like businesses or what have you that have started out of like people just going, hey, I've got this idea for you. I hate it. Well, screw you. I'm going to drive you into the ground. I'm pretty sure Amazon is just Jeff Bezos like flicking off the entire world. Oh, absolutely. From Mars. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Also, have you ever heard of spite houses? I don't think so. So spite houses are great. They're like when, uh, probably you'd be able to explain this better than me, Damon. Uh, So essentially a spite house is, uh, they come into effect often when uh, people are kind of compelled to break up a piece of land for some reason, um, like either through like eminent domain or whatnot. And they like, they kind of zero in on, uh, just a way to put a structure in enough of the way that it'll just ruin everything. So generally what happens is you wind up with these teeny tiny narrow ass houses between two buildings, just like smushed in there as like inconveniently as possible. And people live in there. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the type of thing that a lot of zoning codes don't permit any longer. I think it's mostly like an 1800s thing sure. primarily. Um, but like you'll wind up with weird like triangle buildings on the end of corners. But it's like between a huge business district and like the local train line or something. Mm-hmm. And it's less like if they had let the land go unused, like they could have been compelled to sell it. But because they because put a home a house there. on it. It's like <laughs> that's mine. Yeah. And it's it's not like they're habitable in any like meaningful sense. It's just that they're there yeah. in, in someone's way. Yep. So it's the it's the very much the letter of the law and not the spirit, not the spirit. sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna use this teeny tiny tract of land I have. Yeah, it has to sorry, it has to be a residential home if you wanna keep this land. Cool. Okay. Cool. I got you. Great. Yeah. I'm gonna build a marshmallow sized house. Uh-huh. <laughs> But they're great a to dog look at. house is technically a house. <laughs> I have a dog who lives in there. Okay. So spite. So spite. Yeah. Did you say you had more? Yes. So there's, hey Dan, do you have more? So there's <laughs> there's one more piece then. So starting, you know, it's a five hundred and fifty thousand dollar building and loan. In he gets offered money. yeah, in today's money. He gets offered roughly three seventy a year just to like let it wither and die. <sighs> yeah. So then at some point, Uncle Billy Loses this $8,000. Piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. My mother loves this movie, and every time... She gets, like, mad at Uncle Billy. She she knows what's going to happen, but she's, like, mad. She's like, you 
stupid. You have one fucking Literally. job. <laughs> and also then a little mad at Georgia being like, you gave this man $8,000 to wander to the bank with? Like, <laughs> what you do is be, you have him fill the water cooler. <laughs> you should be taking his keys away and talking about finding a nice home for him. Yeah. Is like really what he he's should be done doing. He's done now. He greets the children with lollipops. Yeah, That's honestly, what his like job he's is. a Walmart greeter more than he is a say, bank employee. Yes. When I get the like 500 bucks out to go on vacation or something, like I have my hand on it. Like, it's a long entire way to the car. Damon looks like he's armed walking He's just got his hand in his jacket. Like, uh, like I'm pretty sure if I had eight thousand dollars like on my person, like I would be holding it with both hands, like <laughs> in my teeth. Yeah, like both I wouldn't care that other f- people could see it. It's just that like I was constantly aware of where it was at all. <laughs> in your times. third hand, you'd have a knife, like <laughs> just waving wildly in the air. No one touch me. I'm armed with money. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think about, like, what's the most money in cash I've ever had. Because, like, I took a, I think, well, I guess I did a wire, so I didn't even really have to take a cashier's oh, check to, house. like, buy a house. But even then, like, that wasn't fungible. I'm trying to think of, like, what's the most, like, cash, cash money I've ever had on me. That's, like, not a lot of, like, no, like I went to a football game for, like, and I had, like, 150 or 200 bucks on I, me because, yeah. you know, like, I everything there bet you paying cash. But that's not a, a, I bet you a lot. The- Totally speaking. I bet you it was the tips for your wedding. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was probably the tips for our wedding. It was yeah. probably the tips for our wedding, too. Yeah, but I... So it was interesting. That's probably the most cash I've ever had out of a bank. Mm-hmm. But, like, we did a lot of, like... We gave, like, an envelope to my mom to give to, like, the staff. And then, like, we had an envelope that we, like, gave to the DJ, like, the week before when... Or maybe well, the so week before, to, like, but, like, the night... But you had all the envelopes. Back. I mean, yes, that's true, yeah. but I guess it just didn't really feel like I had. Well, like, because you had yeah, like you had like twenty <laughs> things of like seventy five bucks. Right, a I piece, didn't have like but, a, a a bathtub full of money that I like yeah. dove into Scrooge McDuff's Mc, McDuff. Oh yes, when yeah. McDuff comes to Dutch yeah, exactly. Scrooge McDuff to pay to pay his DJ. Oh, here I be, Macbeth, to jump into your pile of money and swim around. Where are your three nephews? <laughs> anyway. That should be your new D&D voice. Thanks. <laughs> I'll write that down. I'll confuse Lindsay even more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so. Uh, he is worried about um, going to jail because this money is missing. Sure, I would be too. Presumably, I think, because th- he's afraid that it's going to be looked at as fraud. So I actually don't think like this was the entire reserve requirement of this bank, but that's kind of the principle I'm going under. Is sure. that? I mean, if they are depositing this in a different bank, it's probably, and that's how banks do it, right? There's probably that this is, if not all of their reserve requirement, a significant amount. And so I think what he's assuming is the bank examiner will say, hey, you're supposed to have this much in reserves. Where is it? He'll say, oh, I don't know. Then he'll say, oh, they must be skimming off the top and he'll get arrested and da 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 um, Oh, Uncle Billy, you boned it real good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really understand why he thinks... Killing himself solves this problem. I mean, he, I mean, he says he has life insurance. It solves this problem in a certain way. Yeah, I mean, like, he says he, he has, have to deal with the. He thing. says he has life insurance. I mean, it's not George's I mean, problem anymore. Yeah, and that would like replace it that money, I guess, for like the people who have money in his bank. But like, but the larger problem is now you have Uncle Billy in charge of your bank forever. Well, I mean, it's just like, yeah, it's not a great solve. Let's no. put it that way. But um, it's it never is, and no. we should actually put a like the suicide hotline and all that, of Absolutely course, in the um, the thing before we publish it. But that's an excellent point. Um, yeah. So anyway, Christmas is a hard time for some people. If you need help, 
reach out to someone. Yeah, on a more serious note, I hope that everyone out there who's listening to our podcast as well, and if you need help, please get it. You matter to people in your life. Yeah, it's really easy to forget just because this instance of it gets explained away very quickly and very joyfully, um, but it's a really something to take seriously yeah. and reach out when you need help. We would be more sad than apparently the rest of the world if you got blinked out of existence. Yeah, in a it would not be a two-hour movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, if that is the reserve requirements, though, if eight thousand is their reserve requirements, that means they now have fifty-seven thousand dollars in deposits. Um, because at this point, uh, the reserve requirements I think are still the same. Uh, no, I looked up. The reserve requirements at this point are 14%. Oh. So the reserve requirements went up. So um, basically, as a reaction to the financial crisis, the, every, everybody panicked and went, <laughs> hey, banks should maybe have a few more reserves than we previously let them. So now it's about 14%. So for those doing the math at home, nobody. Uh, that's <laughs> yep. why the 8,000... put your calculator away. <laughs> yeah, then 8,000 now becomes 57. Otherwise, it'd be a little more if it was still seven. But the point is, that still means their reserves, inflation adjusted, are now $800,000. So, uh, that's a growth rate between, I think this is 19, I want to say it's 45, is when this happens. Yeah, so the, the culmination of this movie is 1945. Huh. So, for between 1945 and 1932... When the bank run happens and there's 2,000 of, of reserves, that basically means the ba- building and loan has been growing at 5.5% a year. So, like... That's a pretty good clip. That's yeah. not bad. I mean, again, there's this, what's called the law of large numbers, or in this case, the law of small numbers, which is, you know, it's way easier to get a 5% return on $100 than it is on a $1 million. Sure. Because in one, you need to get $5, and the other one, you need to get more than $5. More than $5. Um, Count those commas. But it doesn't change the fact that, like, Building and loan seems to be doing pretty well, which kind of makes sense to me then that Potter is so gung-ho to drive this thing out of business. Especially if, like, present day for the end of the movie is 1945. Like, they just made it through World War II and still managed to be, like, Yeah, and the, and the Great Depression, really, is the bigger one. Yeah, they survived it because presumably this 5% growth rate is, that's over the whatever the 13 years, but presumably... Because the U.S. really didn't come out of the Great Depression until basically the start of World War One or World War Two, because the economy boomed because they were building a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. Oh boy! So really, presumably, a lot of this growth actually happened in the last like four or five years, and all they really did was survive the first eight of them. Call it yeah. probably impressive. Very in its few, own way. yeah, very impressive in its own way. But very few banks like did great during the Great. Depression, Depression, as, as you would imagine. <laughs> Oddly, it's aptly named the Ye old Great Depression. Um, so presumably, like, as the economy improved the last, like, four or five years, and that actually, I didn't think about this when I was doing the recording, but that actually makes a lot of sense, right? Because if you think about it, if the economy's doing very well, probably a lot of the people who live in, like, tenement slums like Potters now finally have the financial stability via new jobs, via higher wages, via all that to try to upgrade their circumstances so they probably come across town moving on up to the to Bailey the building side. loans to get yeah that nice house on the east side the that they can put them in, the in. yeah <laughs> sky high high sky high right <laughs> so that actually kind of makes sense to me now that I'm like speaking it out loud so um yeah so that's uh, there's more stuff we could talk about but uh, that is like um 
I think the movie does a fairly decent job with these numbers. It pulls out of nowhere, probably not actually knowing what bank reserves were in any of these time periods. Sure. So That's interesting, because you wouldn't think, like, I don't know, you wouldn't think a movie from this time period would give too much of a crap about getting numbers right. Well, I was just thinking about this the other day. Um, another podcast that I was listening to brought this up that, like... We don't talk about other we podcasts. We do learn... <laughs> As a society, we do learn a fair amount through um, movies. Through movies uh, in general, um, like apparently the U.S. Marshals got a huge like budget surplus following The Fugitive because oh, Congress members say- then understood like what what the hell the U.S. Did. Marshals do. Um, I think I was gonna say um, following bridesmaids because of that air marshal scene. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're an air marshal, I know it. <laughs> Where's your um, But like, what was the what was the final release date on this movie? Oh, good question. Let me look that. Uh, I still have it. Call it. Call it before he says it. I say fifty two. No, I think it's like nineteen forty six. I think it's not that. December twentieth, nineteen forty six. Oh. Um, it's like you could see your laptop or something. I imagine. <laughs> Did, I did not have it up. He said it before I, I even scrolled Fine. to it, I will say. Um, Box office, $3.3 million. Wow. Now remember, 46 But still, yeah. that does not seem like a lot of money. Actually, this movie I was reading as I was doing it was like pretty critically panned. Oh, really? Is it too schmaltzy for and people? And then it became it's like incredibly a cult. schmaltzy for people. It well, became like sh- a cult classic over the next like 20 years. Huh. Yeah. But the actual like box office did not do well. Interesting. Um, But I wonder if... Actually... Also knowing the little bit that I know about movie financing is like, I wonder how much of this might have been like a tool of banks to like educate people. Like this is why banks aren't as scary anymore. Oh, like, that could be. You know. Especially community banks, it wouldn't shock me. Because again, like I said, even in this time, like community banks were much more of a thing. Yeah. Right? yeah. And behind the scenes, you know, like I said, this this the Great Depression led to a ton of the innovation in banks that make them so much safer today. You know, mm-hmm. FDIC insurance, like I said, this like interbank loaning, Fed marketplace, all of that. Like, really, none of that existed before a lot of this, effectively. Mm-hmm. So I could see that like the banks had more confidence, but the public that's too technical or too jargony or too boring, frankly, for sure. like the public to understand why they should feel better. Yeah. I could see that. This is propaganda? Is that what we're saying? I mean... propaganda? uh, In that they are trying to, like, digest a complex idea to a broad number of people with... Pretty sure that's what propaganda is. Their in mind. (laughs) Well, Uh, that actually... It makes me feel a little better, like, to think about that movie that way. That's interesting, Damon, but I'm pretty sure this was all paid for and funded by Big Bell. For the... Big Bell. Big, big, you know, ding, ding, ding. No, the telephone companies. No. no. That's how he finds out that everything's okay at the end is because he gets a phone call, remember? He does oh, yeah, get a he phone, does get a phone call, call at the end. <laughs> uh, from, yeah, yeah. He gives a guy so who offers him $25,000, which, by the way, would be like 350000 So, like, you guys are dear friends of mine, and if you were in money troubles, I'd try my best, but Aww. I ain't coming around with 350000 Sorry. You got to get rich your friends. <laughs> uh, it's less about the quality of friend and more about the quality of your friend's finances. <laughs> Dan, I just need a cool three fifty. Good luck. <laughs> that sounds tough. Bye. Let me scrape everything I have together, and here is $3.50. You want help filling out the grant paperwork or what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, my, my wife writes grants. That... Something. We're happy to help you, but... Uh, okay, well, that's good to know. Write that down in the ledger book. 
I actually don't know, like, if I needed $350,000, I don't think I could get it. No. I could get it from, like, a collection I'm of I'm about to say, I mean, like Damon mentioned, this is, this is, like, the world's first GoFundMe. Yeah. You might be able to get it from, like, a GoFundMe, but yeah. I doubt, well, I don't know who you know in the world, but, like... It, it, it would probably be, got a pretty good picture. It would be pretty hard to imagine that there would be someone who would be able to write like a three hundred and fifty thousand dollars check. But I don't know. Yeah, there's a reason people go to banks for those primarily. Exactly. Yeah. So I, even with strings, I don't know that anybody could pull that for me. Um, Understandably, I think you did an excellent job of digesting what was a pretty um, like dense economic film experience for me. Evidenced by my explanation of what happened at the beginning. Is that how you feel about It's a Wonderful Life? <laughs> huh? You watch that movie. economic <laughs> treatise. With like four stars. <laughs> dense economic treatise. How am I supposed to care that he's so sad if I don't understand the money behind the what f- got him there? <laughs> I love you, robot man. <laughs> you... Do you like that movie, though? Not at all. I didn't think so. He was no. getting that impression the longer we <laughs> yeah. went on. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about ratings, but we don't actually talk about like enjoyment, like, yeah. just knowledge. And I was getting an impression that maybe the enjoyment was not there as if much. If you were going to give your enjoyment a letter grade, what would you give it of uh, It's a Wonderful Life? That seems like a, a terribly arbitrary way of, of demarking this. As with most things we do <laughs> yeah, on this correct. <laughs> Uh, I would say like a C. Like yeah. I get why I get why people enjoy it. I get why people get like warm feelings from it. Sure. It's just like it is just such of its time in like all the technicalities of its filmmaking that I just I'm not grasped and I'm not entertained. Do you have yeah. are you a Christmas movie person? Is there like a bunch you do like and this just isn't one of them? Or just do they not do it for you, like given the ten their tendencies toward sentimentality and everything else. Oh, yeah, no, point. like I enjoy things. I actually kind of enjoy like uh, some of just the showmanship in White Christmas. I don't know if it's a great film per se. I think it's a neat like oh, time capsule of it's like. <laughs> I do. As an answer, Dan says it's not. <laughs> um, I like. Listen, I like everyone's some entitled of the their own opinions. Yeah, <laughs> and just yours some is of wrong. them are wrong. <laughs> But they're entitled to them. Yeah. I like the, the Except m- mini story. They're not entitled to their opinions. They're dangerous and bad, and they should go get their children vaccinated. Correct. Yeah. That's our professional stance. I'm yeah. also going to put like a vaccination hotline. Listen, yeah. we're, we're also, anti-Nazis and we're anti-anti-vaxxers. Yeah. yeah. I'm willing to come out and say it. Pro-vaxxer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, two wrongs make a right. <laughs> um, also, the world was round. And the yeah. world is round. Just to be really clear. Yeah. <laughs> The world is around me, landed on the moon. Everybody relax. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what was I going to say? We're talking about White Christmas oh, in this episode I about It's a Wonderful Life. White Christmas is a fine movie for its different set pieces. That's not the, no, Holiday Inn's the one with the black face. That's the one you don't see on TV anymore. No, you yeah. don't because it's And maybe rightly so. Yeah. yeah. Listen, uh, there's the things Disney brought out of the vault and there's the thing Disney left in the way back of the vault. Oh, and they're yeah. like, mm, don't look yeah. at that one. <laughs> yeah, those are in Disney minus on the other side of zero. Disney minus. <laughs> Disney minus. Opening nowhere. <laughs> um, you could pay yeah, it's like a month for us to never tell you about it again. <laughs> I don't think it's a great film, and I think that's why we don't make films like that anymore. Um, I think it's a neat little time capsule of like, this is like what, like the vaudevillian like 
circuit was like, and that's a neat thing to see. Oh, in you know? White Christmas? In White Christmas. Sure, I, sure. Got, I picked that up eventually, yeah. too. I was yeah. like, it's a wonderful it's life. Does not strike me as vaudevillian. You saw that sweater. It's weird football sweater. He just pulled the moon out of the sky. Uh, whereas I feel that, um, like, It's a Wonderful Life is just slice of life, and it doesn't add or take away anything technically, and it just kind of moves on and, like, you know, like that is also why that story is so like endearing and like eternal for people is that like it could be set any at any point in time. My problem is just that this is the point in time in which they decided to make the movie about it, and I don't find the movie particularly compelling. <laughs> which is interesting because that probably supports both why it is a classic because it it ages fine because it's just a story that can be told at any time, mm-hmm. and also probably why it was panned critically at the time because. It's, it's just specific. a bland old story that could be told anytime. Yeah. And people yeah. were like, okay, why do I care? Yeah, you do wind up in a, a bit of a bland spot with Timeless. Mm-hmm. I think that I like the movie better for like the feeling that I have of watching it than the movie itself. You know, like I like hanging out with my family and I like yeah. Christmas warm feelings. And I think that's all Christmas movies ultimately. Mostly. And that like none of them are great movies. Per se. Die Hard's a great movie. Die Hard's a perfect film, but <laughs> none of them are a great movie. Although Christmas Bruce Willis Carol. maintains it's not. Oh, I do love Christmas Carol. That one, that one's pretty good. Um, most versions of Christmas Carol yeah. I'm on board with. Yeah, yeah there's a couple. Except the Jim Carrey one swing. I'm not. And that's yeah, another thing yeah, where like. swings and a miss there, but. Yeah. That's another one where like, you know, for as being as much about like Dickensian in England, like. It's a moral. Doesn't it have to be set then necessarily. Yeah, just yeah. a like, quick fable, you know. You yeah. Kind of Shakespeare it and do it whenever. And they've tried. And they have tried. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it's weird. Scrooge makes me uncomfortable. Yes, that's the point. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Great, then it's You've a perfect movie. It. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, favorite Christmas movie, go. For me? Yeah. Ugh. Oh, Vacation. Okay, favorite Christmas movie. Vacation. Damn it, guys. <laughs> I mean, so I will say, I have different ones depending on how I want to feel when I'm done with them. Sure. But if you're talking about like one that I will watch every year and enjoy the hell out of it every year until the day they put me in the ground, it's Christmas Vacation. That's fair. Yeah. Kind of the same reasons, I'd say. Um, To answer your original question, I do think that by and large, like for enjoying Christmas movies, I hop on board well into the 70s. And then from then on, it's just like... I like the good ones and I don't like the bad ones, basically. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. I think I like the classic honest, ones for Damon, the feeling of it. If I woke up with my head sewed to the carpet, I couldn't be more surprised than I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> we need to stop this episode because it's just going to be my whole day Liz's favorite's <laughs> Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one, though. Okay, thanks for listening to Make Believe Liz, Funny. Liz, <laughs> we do care. I want you to know that. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy Hanukkah. Whatever else you're doing for the rest of us, I love you. <laughs> Shitter was full. <laughs> uh, I've been Damon. <laughs> <laughs> I've been Liz. I've been Dan. Okay. Well, thanks for listening. And uh, as always, thanks to our lovely Christmas music lady, Charlie Miller. Uh, you can catch her music at charlesymiller.com or on Spotify. Stream it forever as your Christmas playlist of choice. I don't think any of her songs are Christmas songs. <laughs> I, I have not heard a single one. <laughs> but you should listen to them as though they were because they're very beautiful. Um, rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. It would be a lovely a holiday gift to us if you did. Thanks, friend. 
Um, email us your thoughts, feelings, and Christmas wish lists to make fun of good shit. <laughs> you won't get anything, but I want to know. <laughs> I love, but one of my favorite internet things is like wish list roundups or like when people are like, these things are on sale. And I like to look at all the absurd objects that exist in the world. I never buy any of them. So send me your list of absurd, absurd objects to make belief money podcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you next time. Okay. Bye. Bye. Merry Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Merry Christmas. Kiss my ass. Kiss his ass. Kiss his ass. Happy Hanukkah.